the demon of community theater has stolen my podcast pal for me. <laughs> we just closed Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I am in rehearsal for White Christmas. You're an addict. It's a problem. You were like, you were like, hey, Hunchback is over, and I, now I don't have to be in a play. And then you're like, I'm in White Christmas, which sounds like some kind of weird racist play. I don't know what the deal is with that. It's snow. <laughs> I know. Everybody's been making that joke. <laughs> I, I and I hate that I make and that I made it too. I thought about like cocaine or something, but like there was no way to make that like a joke, really. Yeah, or uh, not not if you don't have a visual. Yeah, no, you know, not, not really. if you can't snort. You know, do a little white Christmas. Yeah, like just just be like, hey, Dylan, you're in the play where they snort cocaine, right? <laughs> and you're just like, what are you talking about, Paul? <laughs> you could also do a cum joke, but you know. <laughs> Come Christmas. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? Why are we both laughing? I said it and I'm laughing at it. That's so stupid. Come Christmas. It's sometimes it sometimes it is ridiculous to me that when we do these, we we aren't high. Yeah. Um, it's legal here now, so. <laughs> oh yeah, in Ohio. Yeah. Nice. I'm I'm gonna come visit now. Yeah, come. Come. <laughs> um, oh, this is going to be It's long. not fair that such, like, an essential word is a double entendre now. It really isn't. And that that I, that most people around me when I'm in any given crowd do not find it funny, but I do. Oh, see, I, I, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I just want to have a conversation you know, come on, guys. And they're like, come on, come guys. On guys. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's funny, but like... And, I, and I'm here, like, at work, and I'm like, God, I wish I could be in a YouTube poop instead. Sorry for the long absence to all two of our viewers. Um, I've been busy with uh, community theater. Community theater. I hate community. myself. <laughs> We're watching an episode of Community today. It's true. All right. What is this low budget horror film? Pretty sure this musical's on crack. Can't fall the plot of this indie flick. Those were two hours I'll never get back. He made me watch that. 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 I am Dylan Cannon, writer, actor, and terrible improver. Did I hear, uh, in a library? Okay, we're gonna be arguing about gorilla facts in a library, but only in haiku. And I'm angry writer, JRPG man, and peppermint mocha demon Paul Lang. Your intro was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I like I, that you introduced, we, we pre-write these, or at least I do, and I'm, yeah. I like that you introduced yourself as writer, and I introduced myself as angry writer. <laughs> I haven't done an improv show in a while. I, I think they're really fun, but there definitely is that, oh, did I hear, like, that the MC does? <laughs> That's kind of... Literally, my only experience with with improv shows is that one I went to at Bellhaven because you were in it, and like everybody else was terrible, and it was like one of the least funny things I'd ever seen. 
I, I thought I was the weak link in that one. I remember thinking you were funny, but I will say I don't remember anything about it. It just made it just made me think of um that that scene in the office where Angela is playing uh, is doing Mad Libs and she makes like the man made the nice man like eat cat food or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, yeah. Um. Okay, so I still remember uh, how to do this. Yeah, that was great. You were talking, and then I was talking. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we've got uh, three movies, or two movies and an episode of a TV show. Yep, that's the quality you come here for, an episode <laughs> of a TV show. It's not a Spongebob episode this time. <laughs> Listen, television is the superior medium. It <laughs> might be. Uh, well, no, it's not superior. It's the one I personally prefer. Um gaming is the superior medium <laughs> gamers rise up <laughs> whenever i mention gaming around you it just it's it, i feel like i'm like creating a meme but it's like playing video <laughs> games is actually a thing that people do sometimes <laughs> like you don't but like in the world there are people who play video games <laughs> Finally, a conversation for us gamers. <laughs> for us gamers. I'm Finally, the only person a conversation I, for modern I, audiences. I'm the only person my in my age group that I know who doesn't really game. Yeah. No, yeah, you, you, and you should you should soldier on absolutely because it's a you thing now. <laughs> Not gaming. Not gaming is like part of your brand. Yeah, I mean, I I I you know I I dabble when I go to uh the the barcade you know I'm not good at it but I'll play like Donkey Kong and um shit uh no name two other video games <laughs> um ah man this is so hard name a video game uh, uh Donkey Kong two the 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 Toy Story game on CD ROM. <laughs> remember that <laughs> yeah you could like make a little toy in sid's workshop <laughs> man i hate it when i'm in a pvp match online playing the toy story game on cd-rom and my mom comes in and takes my mountain dew <laughs> oh that teen titans game on uh, cartoon network.com that, that kicked ass and i wish it still exists somewhere. that one i think a friend told me she knew how to find it i'll ask her because i forgot but that's no, great that, I, that I love how the game ass. was clearly designed like intentionally for advertising so the only characters were like whoever happened to be like the first 10 characters that appeared in the show oh yeah no i went into the show thinking that the main five villains were those five yeah exactly <laughs> and slade because if you played as the villains at the end he'd be like you are a true villain yeah, Plasmus was the secret boss, if I remember right. He was, like, the the final one, right? Yeah. When he appears in, like, at the end of the first episode of the show. Oh. So anyway, that's not what we talk no. about on this show. I'll probably cut a lot of that out, sorry. <laughs> so, um, I made Paul watch the newest Wes Anderson movie, um, Asteroid City. He made me watch Wes Craven's Nightmare, and both of those films, as we'll get into, are fairly meta. 
So we went with an episode of a show that often gets meta, Community. Yep, it was finally time for our uh, for us to mention our uh, deeply secretive and deeply shameful love of uh, Dan Harmon's Community. That's secretive and shameful? Yeah, well, sometimes. It depends on if I'm in the mood where I think it's really good or the mood where I think it's really bad. <laughs> one of the best shows ever made but we'll get to that um <laughs> but then he went and made rick and morty which uh is funny sometimes i think it's really good and sometimes i think it's really bad <laughs> i don't know if i i don't really hold rick and morty in high esteem but i th- i think it's it's like my type of humor where they're like riffing on um tropes by just making up names like galorpa lorpa da, 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 to for an alien wait so you never have those moments where you're like six episodes in and it's four in the morning and you're like yeah man this show's the best i, I think it's fun okay just make me look like a person who really likes rick and morty no, i needed that it, on my branding no it's fine to, to really like rick and morty but uh I don't, I guess I, I just, I, I, when it comes to Harmon's stuff, I, I I like community more. Although Rick and Morty might be more quotable. Yeah, that's probably. Oh, oh geez, geez, Paul, we're talking about movies. (laughs) Um. That was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was terrible. (laughs) Shut up, Morty. Do you want to smoke weed and try this again? (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my way over. (laughs) <laughs> um no we don't get any mulligans this this podcast is real life and death if this episode's bad you listeners have to deal with it too because we had to deal with making it <laughs> all right so asteroid city is a 2023 film have um, you forgotten about flipping the goddamn coin oh yeah i did <laughs> you fucking maniac you just tore right in there okay sorry i'll get i'll get the coin can't believe this man goes to community theater a couple times and thinks that he can phone in our podcast. What? What? <laughs> okay, heads. Uh, that means we're doing Asteroid City first, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I was right. Yeah, you predicted the future. <laughs> I did. I wasn't being careless. Asteroid City is a 2023 film written and directed by Wes Anderson. It stars Ben Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, and a whole bunch of others. Um, those are the only <laughs> names I wrote down on my notes, but like it has a Steve Carell in it. It has uh, Margot Robbie. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but um, yeah. She's dead, yeah. And uh, um, this movie got eclipsed by Barbenheimer, and but but I I think it's worth watching. Paul, describe the film. Okay, so uh, we open up on an unsettling black and white image of Brian Cranston as he speaks for an alarmingly long time directly to the audience about something we have no investment in whatsoever, and <laughs> uh, then introduces the fact that this movie is actually a tv documentary about a play that is being made so there's three layers to this movie whereas like 
there there's the tv documentary where they're talking about the making of there is the play so we see like backstage and the actors interacting and stuff and then there's like the play actually the play itself that they're performing which is the bulk of the movie um it sounds very arcane but it surprisingly actually works and becomes pretty easy to follow um i guess the general premise of the play is that it takes place in a small arizona texas arizona i think a small arizona desert town where there is like a like a like an invention competition for like child geniuses um but ben schwartz is taking his son there like pretty soon after the death of his wife and are we doing spoilers uh we have we kind of have to right if you don't want to be spoiled for asteroid city um i'll put the mark for the next movie in the yeah because like honestly like like i'm gonna spoil uh, i'm gonna spoil the fact that this is a good one like you should watch it <laughs> yeah okay Pause. um yeah okay. so there's so so aliens show up <laughs> yeah aliens show up and um there's all kind of hijinks surrounding that and it is a very convoluted and like many like threaded like narrative uh that is really kind of difficult to to uh summarize beyond that the the alien comes in at, i guess what would if it were a play would be the act one finale yeah like about the end of act one and yeah. it's uh yeah d- like don't get this spoiled for you because it's visually very strange and mm. definitely leaves an impression it's like stop motion right i think it's stop motion i would have to look it up but it definitely looked like stop motion and then it's jeff gold <laughs> And then it's just what? It's Jeff Goldblum. Later. Yeah, the alien is Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? When, when they're in the... He's backstage at the play. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the alien was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and then uh, Ben Schwartzman goes out to see, you know, Margot Robbie on the back lot filming Barbie at the same time because she was <laughs> going to be the wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What what's weird is that that was kind of my head canon too. Yeah, <laughs> she That's... had to be in a wildly successful, mildly overrated film. Paul, let's not do Barbie discourse, please. <laughs> Listen, we got to get people's attention with something. I'm if you're falling send... asleep, <laughs> I'm going to send this to my or this this podcast to my theater friends. <laughs> Don't ruin this. <laughs> Don't send them this episode. It was a good movie. It was it was really funny. I just thought that it was not the world-shaking phenomena, phenomenon that people like acted like it was. But is is Asteroid City a world-shaking phenomenon or should it be? No, but I but I <laughs> but like but I liked it. Like it's good, but like I don't think it would like change it could like change society. I mean, it's 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 Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Andersoning, but I happen to have the same 
kind of interests that he does, so I enjoy his work. What do you think would be like a world-changing Wes Anderson movie? <laughs> like, like what property could he like adapt that would like attract as much attention as like Barbie, but would still be like Wes Anderson-y? For a while, it felt like Grand Budapest Hotel was that, but even then, people didn't really quote it. They just said Grand Budapest Hotel, such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I feel like sort of same with the Royal Tenenbaums, which like, yeah, it's a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I hadn't heard of that one until somebody at Bellhaven showed it to me. I think Grand Budapest was the one that I would just hear normies have conversations about. Oh, gotcha. I actually haven't seen that one. I watched it. It's not one of my favorites. It's it's a little more action-oriented than a lot of his movies. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never really gone on specifically like a Wes Anderson tear like I have with some other directors. I guess it could be an interesting thing to do at some point. And he's, um, I, I really like his style, but there are a couple of his movies that just bored me to tears. So I'm not like a Wes Anderson can do no wrong fanboy. I think by some odd like twist of fate, one of the first... The one of the first, if not the first movie by him I saw was actually Bottle Rockets. Huh. I still So I was like, that. this is it's okay. <laughs> I still haven't seen that one. Was It's a it's okay. Like I might like it better a second time, but like it it it's not really a blow you out of the water movie. It's just kind of a interesting little little quirky movie. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and his his style hadn't really been as cemented uh, at that yeah. point. Um, so I'm I'm going to ask you the one question I wrote down. Um, what was the core theme of this film? Um, grief. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I actually thought about it. So so what an interesting thing about this is that while I was watching the movie, I was constantly back and forth and being like, Do I like this movie? I'm not sure if I like this movie. I settled on the fact that I liked it. Uh it, it ended, the credits went up, I like I went, oh, okay. Not really sure what that was about. Um, stepped away. Ten minutes later, I was like, wait, that was actually amazing. And, like, <laughs> and started feeling like really intense emotions when I started actually like putting together what it was actually about and everything. And yeah, I, I think it's I think it's definitely uh, you could summarize it as a film about grief. I hadn't thought about that. I I guess I, I was looking at like the meta stuff so to me it was like about storytelling it i mean it kind of is but it's about the way that um telling stories and receiving stories is a way that we like express and contend with grief i think i guess sort of that trying to figure out the unknown or trying to deal with the unknown because there's but that was really more only within the play not the larger framing device yeah well i mean i think there was a theme of like again the play not exactly making sense there being a little bit too much going on um mm -hmm. i like 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 again you can't what is it you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep um yeah the whole idea of sort of just like allowing yourself to experience something without analyzing it too deeply turning sort of kind of turning your brain off stop scientifically like parsing things together and just like ride it out you know oh okay 
Yeah, no, I, I like that. Because, like, when a loved one dies, you don't, you can't easily get, like, an understanding of it. But you, you know, you just, you just kind of experience it. You just kind of keep going up there and doing the same play over and over again when it doesn't make any sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when that all started to click together, it actually made, it, it made a lot more sense. And I thought it was pretty ingenious the way that it doesn't really have a clear through line unless you're kind of looking at it from a macro angle, like from a distance. I love the big climactic moment where it it just goes off the rails. Like they had sort of the retro futuristic sci-fi stuff in the background, but then they start like the kid carves his and a girl's names in the moon and then they start kissing <laughs> while everyone's like running around freaking out. It was great. I also love the fact that the whole climax of like the actual play is something we don't see. Uh, I'm a big fan of stories removing scenes that are not necessary, that or not not unnecessary, but that like the creator doesn't really want to show us. Um, and the climax was obviously uh, uh, the conversation with Margot Robbie in the end. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, it it it, it hit really hard. It was really good. I think for people like me who do like drawing lines between things and like parallels and stuff like that as well as people i'm thinking like you who love that like behind the scenes uh, shit and everything it was a pretty cool concept to have like a to be showing us a play and the making and sort of the making of that play and everything at the same time you know right um do you remember um any particularly laugh out loud moments Okay, so I was actually, it's interesting, I've actually been thinking about this. The one moment that I, there might have been a few others, I don't fully remember, but the one moment that I, like, that really stuck out to me that I really laughed hard was just when, uh, what is it, it uh, uh, is, is it Dan, Schwar Dan Schwartzman? Um, ben Schwartzman? Ben Schwartzman, sorry, I, actor names. Um, yeah. When Ben Schwartzman is revealing that he planned to abandon his children in Arizona and leave um and Tom Hanks is his Tom Hanks's response is just to like shake his fists like a cartoon character and go like <laughs> <laughs> like he's just so aggravated and like that was it <laughs> for me it was that one kid who just kept asking his dad do you dare me <laughs> and was gonna go like just doing dumb stunts and shit it was pretty funny um and then the the alien just I I had a oh I audibly was going what yeah yeah <laughs> um I I interpreted it I know it's not supposed to be like or not supposed to have an answer but I interpreted it as the alien was like playing a game of catch <laughs> <laughs> that sort of makes sense and everyone was freaking out over it but it was just a simple like oh hi. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, what, it was, like, trying to list, like, a stock or something. It was, like, doing a, it was, like, doing inventory, right? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think they said it was doing inventory, because, like, it took the thing and then, like, marked it and then put it back. And I, I like the whole retro future thing, like, these 1950s people, but they have ray guns and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was incredibly silly. Again, I haven't seen every Wes Anderson, but I think it was 
kind of exceptionally silly on that front, sort of to balance out the the more like sort of gritty realism in the backstage scenes. Very uh, the playwright. Rem- I I feel like the playwright was supposed to be like Tennessee Williams. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I yeah, I think the scene that actually won me over to it was when the main actor was like doing his um when he was doing his audition for the playwright um backstage. I that that scene that scene was just really good. And I was like, okay, I'm interested. They took they took this convoluted concept and <laughs> I'm like and, and and I'm pulled into the convoluted concept part. So like good job. I I was, while I was watching it, I was like, I love this. I don't know very many other people who are going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. I definitely get that. It's like, it doesn't feel like it's a movie for everyone. In some ways, it feels like Wes Anderson being as Wes Anderson-y as possible. Like, definitely, um, I feel like if I I showed people this behind my back, they'd be like, a pretentious white boy. (laughs) Yeah, what is this? What is this pretentious white shit? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for watching white people. (laughs) Thank you for watching white people. (laughs) That family guy episode. I can't believe, no, that I can't believe you made me watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, earlier today I sent him, there's an episode of Family Guy where they do a Peter Gets Fired story by like in the style of three different directors and one is Wes Anderson, and they just riff on him for, like, four minutes, uh, combining stuff from, like, Royal Tannenbaums and all that. I was like, I can't believe Dylan just made me watch four minutes of Family Guy. <laughs> God damn. I can't read squiggles. No, I, it was, I can't read spaghetti. <laughs> How many stars do you give Asteroid City? I think eight. Eight, nice. Yeah, I think it's an eight star. It, yeah i i want to watch it again it's i mean it was fresh on my mind when i assigned it but that was months ago <laughs> yeah now it's now it's 2023 it was 2023 then back when you assigned this movie to me in 2019 <laughs> man the pandemic i yeah, haven't the talked pandemic, to you really I, haven't, hard. I haven't talked to you since january 2020 yeah, because the germs could spread through the microphones. Oh, man. That's if what that... Biden was telling us, right? <laughs> he was like, if you don't get the mouth vaccine, the germs could spread through your microphones. It's so Jover. <laughs> it's so Jover. If you leave your house, the FBI will arrest you. I can't believe that the demon rats are trying to uh, stifle our cool podcast for guys. <laughs> they can't handle how cool it is and how many guys there are. Two whole guys. <laughs> Two whole guys. <laughs> they, um, yeah, no, they, they want to take away freedom from freedom-loving patriot moviegoers like us. Exactly. We have the courage to say things like, Barbie was pretty good. (laughs) Hey there. Interested in buying a cat? How about a garden? Or a skeleton? My name's Caitlin, and I can get you all three. As jewelry design said us. My store on etsy.com slash shop slash skeleton garden co. You can buy these and more in necklace, ring, and earring form. 
feel free to visit my store, Skeleton Garden Co. At the address, once again, that's etsy.com slash shop slash skeleton garden co. Thank you. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so Wes Craven's New Nightmare is a 1994 American meta supernatural slasher film directed by Wes Craven, um, starring Heather Langenkamp and, uh, of course, Freddy Krueger. The fuck is the actor's name? Robert I knew England? It. Robert England. I knew it until no, that very he's, second. He's in the movie, but also the real Freddy is in the movie. Yeah, so uh, so Robert's in danger of being upstaged because the real Freddy shows up. Right, right. Yeah, and the movie's a really like it's kind of like in Toy Story where Woody's jealous of Buzz. Uh, Robert is jealous of Freddy because Freddy doesn't have to put on makeup and will do all of the killing for free instead. And then of they fall out a window and they have to go on a journey together. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. Yeah, that that would be interesting. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Wes Craven's Nightmare is Wes Craven's new nightmare. Sorry, new nightmare. Sorry. Yeah. Um, is uh, about kind of fictional, a uh, fictionalized version of. Wow, I'm blanking on her name. Who played Nancy? Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, Heather. They say it a lot. Um, yeah, they do. So she's married to a special effects artist who had worked on the movie and they have a son and they're, uh, and he's working on like a prosthetics and stuff and Wes Craven and um, Robert England, England, or, you know, they're also, they're friends with her from having worked with her. Um, but she and her son start hearing things and seeing things that imply Freddie might be real and the line between her and the character she played are blurred which is like pretty cool and like high concept considering the where the series had been like previously oh yeah oh yeah there were a few movies between the last one you had me watch and this right yeah the, those were i mean some of them were entertaining but i wouldn't call any of them like good mm. Um, they generally follow pretty, pretty uh, strict pattern of Freddy kills the survivor from the previous movie. A new bunch of kids are introduced. They deal with Freddy. He kills them and is defeated. Uh, he kills them in a bunch of different goofy clown ways. Some of them, those get exceedingly stupider as the series goes on. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was kind of, this was definitely a breath of fresh air. I thought it was cool how they were able to do a plot like that and it, it didn't feel like pretentious or, you know, self, uh, I'm trying to think of a not crass way to say it, but masturbatory. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel masturbatory. masturbatory I, I would agree. Um, yeah. because it really just felt like it felt, it really did feel like something that was happening and that they were just like showing you. Yeah. <laughs> Like this was a do like this was a documentary or something. Right. I was I was reading about the behind the scenes. Her husband so her husband in real life is a special effects artist, mm -hmm. but he has a different name and wasn't and was played by like a different guy because 
he had actually been offered the role, but he's like, I, I wouldn't like. I think he said it'd be too close to home. <laughs> That's fair. Also, their kid is named Dylan, and I am very uncomfortable watching movies where <laughs> scared women are screaming my name. Yeah, and that happens a lot in this one, which yeah, definitely delighted what? delighted Krista and I when we were watching it uh, a little bit ago. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he Freddy Krueger looks directly at the screen and talks to me by name. <laughs> He's like, "Hey Dylan, do you want to play pin the cat?" <laughs> hey Dylan, want to smoke some drugs? <laughs> I'm Scary Terry, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was probably too close to home for her husband, who in real life was jerked off by Freddy Krueger in the form of a car. <laughs> He, he got he got a handy from Freddy Krueger while singing Losing My Religion. <laughs> he was like, you guys are going to put that in the movie, really? <laughs> he scr- the close-up on him scratching his crotch. <laughs> like, it wasn't a... Com- uh, some of the nightmare stuff verges on, like, dark comedy. This one yeah, didn't definitely. have much of that. So the fact that it, you know, had, like, a kind of scratching joke was funny oh and you didn't even see the movie where he actually does turn into a where he does turn into like a motorcycle and kill a man who is like driving him (laughs) (laughs) that's so dumb (laughs) um but yeah i guess i'll ask you some of these questions all right which are definitely completely new and homebrewed and not just questions that i use for like most of the movies who was your favorite character in this movie was it dylan i i don't really like uh his his acting i'm going to give a scathing critique no because um, <laughs> you know negative 10 really- out of negative 10 was not as cool as the babadook kid <laughs> look being um being super extra hard on child actors always ends well yeah. so i'm just gonna give some you know some frank uh, you you better shape up wait he wouldn't be a kid anymore this came out no. in 94 <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if that actor got bullied now because of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> the only people who should be bullied because of this podcast are us yeah absolutely we do deserve it <laughs> two guys walked up to me and they called me cringe. <laughs> we were those guys, and we were also the guy who got called cringe. <laughs> we just call each other cringe. And <laughs> then we go cry to Darman about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is becoming a little bit masturbatory. Hey guys, it's me, Freddy Krueger. I escaped the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no shit, he's in the podcast. He's in the podcast, huh? He's scratching my crotch. Hey, if you don't let me give you a hand job, I'll become real in real life. I'll see you in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. Losing. Yeah, you like that, don't you? <laughs> Losing my religion. That's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> we leave everybody on a cliffhanger. You're like, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, where'd you go? I'm your Dylan now, Paul. <laughs> you have to be Freddy Krueger for the, every other episode now. Okay, Paul. Today you're yeah, I, you're gonna watch this video of me brutally slaughtering somebody. I mean, I do that like regularly anyway. So like, 
Oh, for a moment, I thought you meant real killing videos. You mean uh, nightmare movies. Yeah, no, videos. <laughs> they're videos of Freddy slaughtering people. <laughs> they're slaughtering really this sick beat? No. Um. No, if we were going to have you become a character for the rest of this series, it mm-hmm. would probably be Beetlejuice, right? Like, you were Beetlejuice for a while there. I was, yeah. <laughs> the beetlejuice arc lasted about five episodes I think. <laughs> yeah it was a it was a pretty good one everyone cried at the end mm-hmm. um there was a big you know fight scene and um yeah we affirmed ai which was was pretty dark <laughs> this episode of he made me watch that gets kind of dark <laughs> We're going to put, like, a content warning at the beginning of that one, like Disney does with, like, its racist movies. <laughs> Listen, this is the product of its time, which is, like, a couple months ago when we all thought AI was kind of funny instead of, like, an existential threat to all creative people. To be fair, we were being creative with it. That's true. But we gave the devil a foothold. We... <laughs> yeah, it's our fault. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's how all this happened. Um, yeah, which character did you relate to the most in this oh, movie? Was it Dylan? Yeah, 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 I was, I was supposed to say who I liked. Uh, I mean, I, you know, Freddy Krueger's a great villain. Yep. Um, I liked Heather. I like, I liked Robert, uh, England. Just seeing him be, like, his real self instead of Freddy was really funny. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, also seeing how much he enjoyed playing the character on that talk show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and she starts freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, um, I, I like, I just, I like the nice old man thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I guess I related to Wes because I also write stuff and feel stuff about it. Do you ever write things so that the de- so that the demons uh so that the demons do not materialize? I think I write things adjacent to the demons so that they can't get a foothold in my mind. Yeah. I write things to distract me from the demons. I'm like 24 hours a day writing about the demons, honestly. I'm doing it for you people. <laughs> Writing's like my break from the demons. <laughs> <laughs> um what was the message of this movie see i had thought about that and honestly i'm not sure because if it wasn't you know the makers of the freddy movies i could almost see it being like an anti-horror movie thing that's like why are you making these and relishing in it it's gonna eventually get into your life but i don't think that's what they meant to say yeah like i legitimately think that it's probably like supposed to be like you know this is high-minded language but like kind of a study on like the fact that like yeah we do need like horror to like externalize these things so that they don't like simmer under the surface you know Mm -hmm. yeah it it does make me wonder like do they are, are they writing this based on having some trauma from working on it or do you think it yeah was right kind of- did they just start did, did, did they did the, the first couple times did they just write it and then later discover the demon or did they run into the demon first oh yeah 
in the world of this movie, it's like Freddy is a demon that gives Wes dreams that make that he writes down. Yeah, that makes and sense. So maybe it's not maybe like the world he's from isn't a fictional world so much as another dimension. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um. Um, what was your favorite moment in this film? Um, again, probably the nice Robert Eglin. Um, visually, I really liked the part where, uh, the kid was dragged into the grave or into the, uh, coffin and she follows him and it's like bigger on the inside. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. Very, very nightmare-like. That very, like, head fuckery sort of stuff. I liked um, all the parts where the guy who played her father in the first, like, three movies yeah. was, like, slowly becoming her father. Yeah, I, I liked that, too. He's like, Nancy, I love you. <laughs> I thought it was interesting they brought, like, him in, because he's, I mean, he was a major character in the first one. Yeah. But, Not really know, the other ones. When you think of even the first one you would think of probably that cast of teenagers before the parents but yeah i mean unless i'm mistaken this was the first one wes craven directed in a while so he was probably alluding back to like the early ones because those were the ones he wrote yeah um i think um... that act i think i read that actor also just really was keen on coming back if he could that makes sense and I mean, he had a pretty significant part in uh, Dream Warriors too. I would say. What did he do in that one again? Uh, he had like the fi- he had like the big final battle with Freddy in like the car lot, and oh. then showed up as a ghost to like trick Nancy at the last moment. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I forgot. He had kind of like a character redemption. That's right, yeah, because he had he had been the dismissive parent in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he, um, but yeah, um, I also again the losing my religion scene was funny. <laughs> it was, I agree. Followed by being really sad because, like, you know, she loses her husband. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, I I feel like this one does stand out for the fact that like when people die, you feel bad about it instead of being like lol. <laughs> because they it's like they're real people yeah instead um, of like cartoonishly obnoxious like movie teenagers exactly yeah they're like um oh yeah like you know they they have that co-worker friends relationship vibe you you'd have in real life day to day not like these weird little rivalries which i know people have those every day but not you know in the the areas they're comfortable i felt bad for the babysitter oh definitely which although i love the scene where she died how that was just like sort of a a a new visual version of one of the most iconic deaths from the first movie yeah um but yeah no she she did not deserve that at all (laughs) and her telling the kid to run like that's i don't know I, i feel like pretty brave you're being killed and you still go out of your way to try to get the kid to safety honestly the saddest death was the kid's toy dinosaur who defended the barrier between realities like with his life oh rex (laughs) um 
So what would you? So yeah, I'm actually curious. What what would you say was your favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Because we that that this might be putting a cap on those for our podcast. Hmm. I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say the third one. I think yeah. a while ago I said the second, but that might have also been because I had heard it wasn't as liked and. Um, the fact I did like it felt more significant. Yeah, um, the second one is good. Like, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'll go with the third one. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Probably my favorite too. Mm-hmm. But this one was interesting. I I haven't seen much like it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle of the of the big pile of movies. But I I definitely think it's something pretty unique for a horror series. I knew I I went in not knowing. And I'm like, wait, they're doing a fr-. like I I at first thought like, oh, they're um decades later or a decade later doing a movie about the legend that happened in this little town. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was in the universe, right, right. But then you see Nancy, and you're like, wait, she died though. And so I paused it and I went to Wikipedia. And it's like, <laughs> this is in another continuity where it's similar to our world and i'm like oh okay (laughs) it's a documentary yeah um yeah i mean that makes sense because these movies have always been kind of about the concept of storytelling with the element of like you freddy has no power unless like unless people know about him right Mm. yeah so a, a movie about people making a nightmare movie in the universe wouldn't be a bad foothold for him to get yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's that's Scream, though, which, okay, I see you, Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs> Scream is kind of about how if you keep making movie, you know, if you keep giving serial killers notoriety, it just becomes a meta clusterfuck. Okay, what would you rate this movie? What would you rate Wes Craven's uh, New Nightmare? This one's a This one's a seven or an eight. Yeah, cool. I can definitely respect that. Yeah. And for now, then we say goodbye to our uh, to our third uh, to our third co-host, Freddy Krueger. I'm sure eventually we'll come back when I want to make Dylan watch The Dream Child, which is a favorite shit post movie of mine. But right now, I'm trying to make him watch movies I think are like like good. See you in your dreams, fellas. Poisoned, cursed, haunted, overgrown. The land of Laskmere, kingdom of the Rotlord. Here humanity struggles to survive the oppression of the wild beasts and plagues. Hunters from among the people rise up to challenge the monsters of the Rotlord's domain. The kingdom's disdain tells the story of Cardinal, a young man who begins his journey naked in the cave of a man-eating mountain spider along with Sirish, Blessed Blade Princess of Alderoy, and Mad Crossbones, necromancing alchemist of the Dark Elves. He follows the Light of the Fiends down his path with one goal. He must kill the Rot Lord himself. Read Web of Bones, Book One of the Kingdom's Disdain, now on Amazon Kindle. It's a, an episode about the making of a film. Exactly. So, since both of our um, both of our uh, movies were kind of meta 
films directed by a guy named Wes. I wanted to find a third Wes director, but then Paul was like, we should probably do the meta thing. <laughs> it was a good thought. It was definitely I'm a good like, thought. Should we get a Wesley Snipes? Has he directed or has he only acted? I don't know. I don't um, actually know. <laughs> we watch Blade. We, we, we watch Blade because Wesley Snipes is in it. Yeah. I would love to because I love every opportunity to watch Blade. It wasn't for me. <laughs> the first... I, the part where he fights vampires in a nightclub is a really good movie, and then there's a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Nobody smiled in that film. <laughs> it was all dark and no levity. <laughs> I remember thinking that the bad guy felt like he was kind of right, but I don't know if that's true. Um, okay, so Community Season 2, Episode 5, Messianic Myths and Ancient Peoples. Um, this episode was directed by Tri Tristram Shapiro and written by Andrew Guest. And of course, Community was created and showrun at the time by Dan Harmon. Oh, good. So this one was safe from the Russos. <laughs> the Russos directed some good episodes. I know. I'm just joking because I'm uh, playing the character of a person who doesn't like Marvel films. Um, and uh, the main plot of this episode is about a religious film made by Abed, played by Danny Pudi, and Shirley, played by Yvette Nicole Brown, um, originally being with him on the movie, but then having some issues. And the B-plot contains a conflict between Pierce, played by Chevy Chase, and Jeff, played by Joel McHale. Which isn't among their best B-plots, I will say. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but it was, like, kind of sacrificing character continuity for, like, a... Haha, ha, the old man is being a teenager. It's funny, but it's it's such like a sitcom throwaway plot joke, you know. Yeah. I I laughed. Um <laughs> I did I did too. And we got more we got more Leonard, which is really important. We got to find out that Leonard is actually like a terrible man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's I mean, he's he's the the teenage rebel or which is consistent with his character. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> like Pierce is the old man who has deluded himself into thinking he's still young and cool yeah. leonard is the old man who actually pulls it off leonard is what the kids call a chaos gremlin yeah <laughs> his kids don't call him anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no this is the episode where abed makes a jesus movie and it's it becomes completely meta and uh completely like incomprehensible basically so th this episode is kind of a personal meme like pretty much any time any movie is self-referential or like mess masturbatory as we've been saying all episode yeah um i'll be like this is just like that episode where abed made a jesus movie <laughs> and um it's funny because it's um it surely of course is like a really devout christian and mm -hmm. they they start it because she wants to make she's seen like all this kind of dumb violent content on the internet mm -hmm. and she wants to make a some christian content and goes to abed because he's a film guy yeah um and he reads the bible and decides jesus is like a really cool movie hero which i'm gonna go on the tangent it's weird that i'll, I'll 
everything Abed knows about Jesus is from pop culture because Jesus is venerated as a prophet in Islam, which is his religion that he grew up in. So he now, would I, know about him. I don't want to go crying foul to the writers of this because I personally don't know how much is like taught about Jesus specifically to what Abed kind of sounds like a seems like a nominal Muslim too. He's, so I, I don't know. His dad's pretty devout. And he he like knows enough that in the uh the episode where they compare religion, he's like bringing in traditional dishes and all that. Yeah, that's true. But that that's kind of cultural too. I I don't know. I just I, I personally am able to buy the fact that maybe he doesn't particularly know a lot about Jesus specifically, but I am a person who is not Muslim and doesn't have a lot of experience with uh with it either. So Yeah. Um that just that that always stuck out to me that his knowledge of Jesus was from pop culture. I almost said it's also weird that he doesn't um you know there've been a lot of Jesus movies but he is very much into that niche of either screwball comedies or heavy action flicks. Yeah, I mean there's a pretty low number of like like famously well done Jesus movies, I would say. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of bad ones. But yeah, anyway, so he's uh he he makes it this big up its own ass meta movie where he's Jesus, which is like our first glimpse into Abed's God complex. <laughs> Shirley is offended, I think at first, by it seeming blasphemous, but it mm -hmm. turns out she's like her main gripe is like she's also kind of a cinephile and she's like this is pretentious <laughs> which i might argue is possibly an instance of the writers showing through uh megaphoning through the characters a little bit it might be but i i think it's consistent with shirley because we find out you know later she's like seen all the hellraiser movies that's fair i just i think I think that I think that one area where community characters probably veer that way a lot is having really spotty, unpredictable, but intense amounts of pop culture awareness and a uh, and extreme like self awareness. Yeah, true. Like they all kind of veer into that sometimes because that's what that's what their gods are like. <laughs> I I like it in Jeff because having like the cool fit lawyer dude secretly being as much of a sitcom nerd as Abed, not secretly, yeah. but you know, that makes sense. He even said in the first episode, he was raised by television. So the, 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 the paradigm of Shirley isn't that she's, um, isn't that she's secretly into pop culture. The paradigm of Shirley is that she's both a like, really like, like a good Christian person and is also deeply angry and like violent. Yeah. <laughs> Has like that that rage underneath the nice kind yeah. of passive aggressive demeanor. Um and yeah, then she purposefully plays the Pharisee to spare Abed humiliation because she hears him praying. Which is like some gospel of Judas stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that this is I, I like the Abed Shirley dynamic. Yeah, no, me too. It. Uh, and it it they're they don't really the, interact a lot usually. So 
their scene at the end is really sweet where yeah. he puts together the Jesus movie she wanted and then Duncan said that Abed ruined the internet. <laughs> that I had some whiplash when I first watched it because of like uh it it had been a while, it had been a few years since I'd watched any community and just the the whole like watching YouTube videos and terms of like broke the internet and stuff like being thrown around. I'm just like yeah. damn wait this show's old <laughs> well i and they said that before like broke the internet came to mean like posted something insane and outrageous but not necessarily bad yeah whereas duncan said it i think pre that yeah or, yeah so i was so i was legitimately like confused for a moment yeah. by like what was being said <laughs> yeah but he's like no he he ruined it <laughs> It's Blessedly. not like every nine gag post about a celebrity doing something mildly human and saying they broke the internet. Kim Kardashian has a large butt that broke the internet, apparently. It broke the, it's so big it broke the internet. You just wrote a South Park episode. Yeah. <laughs> they broke the internet, Stan. Kim Kardashian's butt is real and it broke the internet. That was a good uh, South Park kid. Thanks. I don't know which one it was. It was kind of amorphous, but yeah, it's like one of the amorphous voices. Um, I like the one that Trey Parker does for every obnoxious character he plays. Wait, he's talking like this <laughs> every time. Rob Schneider is a pickle. When he used that voice for like the entirety of Despicable Me Three. <laughs> <laughs> God, he was in that. He was. He that's was like, the villain in that, and he was so, basically playing Randy. That's so <laughs> weird. He like does. They don't really do voice work on other stuff, and he just randomly was like, "Yeah, I'll do a despicable me." <laughs> I think his. I think he had like young kids at the time or something. <laughs> Probably that makes sense. Probably trying to flex. <laughs> look! Look, Daddy was in Despicable Me Three. <laughs> We're going all over the place today. Yeah, I feel like there's some good stuff in here, but there's also a lot of nonsense. <laughs> oh, in the episode? Or... Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but no, this is a really good community episode. It's probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah, um, Abed in his Jesus outfit is, of course, iconic. It's true. Um, <laughs> oh, she's like a real-life Pharisee! <laughs> Whatever um, happened to Danny Booty? <laughs> he's... He's in stuff. He he was in DuckTales. He was he's in DuckTales. In, he's in uh, Mythic Quest. Oh, right. I forgot about Mythic Quest. He's in that. He's in something coming up. I forgot. He's, he's so good in this show that I feel like he should have he should have gotten more out of, out of it. He should he should have gone more places right afterwards. Yeah. And he's he's good at playing characters who aren't Abed. Yeah, it's true. Um, let's see, what, what were the other characters doing in this one? I know, um, I know Annie had the Jesus was Jewish line and Shirley goes, are you ever going to let that one go? <laughs> are you ever going to let that one go? <laughs> Jeff and Britta are Pierce's parents. And he's a rebellious oh, yeah, yeah. teenager. Oh, Troy is, Troy is, Troy is in uh, Shirley's rapping Christian video, even though he's a Jehovah's Witness. When did when did Pierce become awesome? <laughs> oh yeah, Shirley or Abed made a rapping for Jesus video. 
I wrote this song for the Christian youth. <laughs> yeah, right. Long, long before the fame of of the true rapping for Jesus. <laughs> if you want to reach those kids on the street, you got to do a rap to a hip hop beat. I'm not going to do any more of that. Yeah, you, you're not allowed. No. So how do we rate this episode? This is one of my favorite community episodes. Yeah, same. I'll go with a nine. I'll go with eight and a half, just to be different. Yeah. Okay. So, who was our F. Mary Kill? Who was our F. Mary Kill? Um, you don't usually ask me, so I don't know. Hmm. Let me think. Yeah. Uh, Change it up, Freddy? I don't want to steamroll. <laughs> yeah, are, are we doing Freddy Krueger again? I feel like we've done him, like, at least twice. We have done Freddy Krueger so many times <laughs> that we're common law married to Freddy Krueger. <laughs> we are, the two of us. Hmm. Depending on which episode you listen to of this show, our third uh, our third co-host is either Freddy Krueger or my wife. <laughs> <laughs> or Beetlejuice. Or, yeah, Beetlejuice for a little bit during the five-episode Beetlejuice arc. So, Freddy Krueger... <laughs> This the scary one. Yeah, because I I don't most of those the characters in that movie are like real people playing themselves, and I <laughs> yeah, don't, I feel true. like that would be creepy. What if what if we did Robert England? I I feel like that would be creepy. Okay, we won't do Robert England. I mean, he's a um, handsome man, but uh, he know. is. It's true. So Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Um, who are we getting from Asteroid City? Is the um, alien? Are we doing the alien? Yes, the claymation alien who may or may not be Jeff Goldblum. Abed as Jesus. Oh, that, is that blasphemous? <laughs> you said we weren't allowed to do hot people, so I said Leonard. <laughs> I, I we're we're not not allowed to do hot people. I just was like trying to think of someone interesting to put on the the list. Yeah, that's that's fair. So Leonard. Yeah, so Leonard. Okay, He's Freddy Krueger, the alien, and Leonard. Freddy Krueger, the alien, and Leonard. <laughs> yeah, okay. We found the three monsters that we talked about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leonard has a pretty successful, like, frozen pizza vlog. That's true. He he could make you frozen pizza and let's potato chips. The alien is funny sometimes and scary other times. I'm gonna marry Leonard because he can provide for me with his uh, pizza review. Yeah. Uh, fuck the alien because, like, that's on the bucket list if there are aliens out yeah, there. There was the a whole meme about definitely... it. Yeah, clap, those a- clap them alien cheeks. Um, <laughs> kill Freddy because, like, he is a an eldritch abomination mass murderer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I think I'm going to marry Freddy, though, because Leonard clearly has some issues with, like, uh, intimacy. (laughs) (laughs) I love, at the end of season one, he's had three pregnancy scares. (laughs) (laughs) He has some issues with intimacy. His children don't don't call him, and he's alone in the world, so I, I don't really trust that. And and I have and I have to fuck the alien just like we were talking about. So yeah. I think I'm marrying this 
this even worse, Freddy. <laughs> nice. You're gonna I mean, play. Uh, I can find McCann. out what his story is and, I'm, and get to get to understand him and all that. Yeah, you can fix him. I can. I. I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have an assignment for me? I do. Um, my assignment for you is. So I'm finally going to uh, call up one of my favorite movies, uh, which is the 2006 uh, Korean horror comedy, The Host. Uh, not to be mistaken with the uh, not to be mistaken with the Stephanie Meyer film of the same name. <laughs> All right. Um. So I I mentioned before I had three options, or three that I wanted to give you. Do you want me to like list them and you pick, or maybe you pick a number between one and three? The the number sounds better. I don't want to choose because okay. that would, that would, it, it would no longer be, he made me watch that. Okay. It would be, I chose to watch this. Okay. The number you pick will determine our fate. 69. <laughs> Paul. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Between one and three. Three. Okay, you <laughs> that's the shit post one. Yes. You will be watching the Gaither's Pond episode. The no! Deaths. <laughs> Which episode? The Lurid Depths. The Lurid Depths? What L-U-R-E. Like fishing L-U-R-E. lure. Oh lure. Yeah. The lure depths. Okay. So you are wa- making me watch a horror film this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I said, like, part of me wanted you to watch, like, a movie I really liked. Part of me wanted you to watch an interesting musical. But part of me wanted you to watch this weird ass. <laughs> I do like that through a horrible twist of fate, we are both watching films about horrifying monsters deep below the sea. Nice. Okay, that should make the third one easy to decide <laughs> Atlantis well yeah, we we'll can... talk about it yeah okay all right so I guess it's time for our outro all right I, I can't, can't believe, believe that he that made, he me, made watch me watch that that penis <laughs> oh damn you can't say that on TV yeah <laughs>